Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who spent a day this week with his underpants the wrong way round. It's Richard Herring! Thank you very much. Hello. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hello. Welcome to uh, Rich Chains Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Um, I was with the editorial team of uh, Smut Magazine. Uh, remember Smut Magazine, David? It came. Remember Zit Magazine? They were there as well. When Viz came out, there was lots of kind of Viz copy magazines that came out that weren't quite as good as Viz. Thought some more of you would remember, but you're all too young. Anyway, they call it Ralph Smuts. I don't know if that's going <laughs> to going to catch on um i did the um uh, matt ford show uh he has like an eight minute stand-up spot uh, the other day uh, well yesterday in fact as we're recording this and i had to write like an eight minute monologue and you know and, and they had an autocue and stuff and it was quite it was quite good i thought i should probably do that in my actual show shouldn't i, I should probably <laughs> I, rather than just making stuff up i should probably try and write a routine so i sort of have although first of all i'm going to go into this uh i've been arguing with uh, kettle crisps as on twitter they got mentioned on twitter and then kettle chips they said came on and they said oh i see you having an argument about whether it's crisps or or chips well we're an american company so when we came over we called ourselves kettle chips i said no you didn't i said well we, we did we are we are kettle chips I said, no you're kettle crisps i think i would know they were, they were arguing with me, but then uh, some of my sharp-eyed fans uh, got in on this, and uh, they went to company's house, uh, and, um, and here's the actual proof, so certificate of incorporation, change of name, they were called Intercede 539 Limited, they, they didn't, didn't do so well, did it, when they were called, do you want some Intercede 539s, mate, they're very crunchy, so have they changed or have I? Um... Having by special resolution changed its name is now incorporated under the name of the Kettle Crisp Company Limited. Nineteen eighty-eight. Then they changed their name to Kettle Foods. And thank you to the, whoever it was. They not only went and copied that up for me from Company's House, but bought me a pack of Kettle Crisps. Oh damn! They nearly got me. Uh, nearly did it. So uh, yeah, I've been on tour this week. Uh, so. Um, uh, and actually, I'm on tour at the moment, people at home. Uh, I'm trying to trap the people who skip through the introduction bit here. <laughs> but they don't usually skip through this bit as well, to be fair, which I'll be annoyed about because I've written something this week. Uh, uh, I'm coming up this week, if you're listening to it this week, if you're listening or watching it in another week, these gigs won't be going. Uh, I'm in St. Albans, Banbury in Cardiff. Uh, and I'm in the big room in Cardiff. I've just been bumped up to the big room because this is it. Here I come. I'm on, I'm on Dave Channel at 11 o'clock on Wednesday night. <laughs> It's coming. I'm back. I'm back. Uh, and I, I'm definitely 50 years old. Uh, if I didn't read, because uh, last week uh, I realised I was. I went to the toilet. I realised I put my underpants on back to front. Uh, so the back was at the front. They went inside out. They were back to front, which uh, could possibly happen to someone under 50. Uh, probably not, but probably you're going to be over 50. That to happen. But then I couldn't be bothered uh, to take off my shoes and trousers and put them on the right way around again. <laughs> So I just spent the rest of the day in back-to-front pants, including I did a whole gig in Sun Coalfield <laughs> with my pants on back-to-front. And I got... Because I think you just get a certain level of laziness. It's the kind of commitment to laziness only someone in their 50s could have. Uh, I got back to the hotel room and I slept in my pants. I'd taken them off the rest of my clothes and I still didn't put them on the right way around. <laughs> 
got, as a 50-year-old, I'm kind of very interested in pant etiquette because um, I've got quite a lot of old pairs of pants and uh, I find it very hard to throw them away. And I know a lot of these pants are at least 10 years old. They predate my relationship with my wife. Uh, and one days when I'm not doing anything important, I wear my old pants in the hope I can wear them out so I can then throw them away. But they won't wear out, so I have to keep wearing them. It's kind of the only 50-year-old man could do. Uh, and... Uh, is that all I've got? God, that was, is that right? I've got another thing. Is that, is that it? Fucking hell. Uh, that, that's all I wrote down. I thought I'd written loads. I do, I do have some more. Uh, uh, I also bought a pack of licorice all sorts for the tour. I know this is why I was going around three tour dates. Uh, and that's the kind of thing only a 50-year-old man would do. And I like all licorice all sorts, apart from the coconut ones, right, which are disgusting. Everyone agrees that no one likes those. Everyone likes the one with the little bubbles, the aniseed ones, right? That's everyone's favourite one. Uh, and I said, that I know I'll eat these within 30 minutes, even though I've bought them for the three days. But, and I said, except for the coconut ones, I tweeted that. And I started the journey, opened up, and they were all coconut, coconut. I had 14 coconut ones. <laughs> and I, 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 tweet, I tweeted uh, Bertie Bassett. And uh, I said, what the fuck's going on? You... And I called Bertie Bassett a cunt. And he hasn't got back to... <laughs> Hasn't got back to me. No one likes the coconut one. Say, cheer if you like the coconut. I mean, no one likes licorice all sorts. You are all under 20. You don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Send me some free licorice all sorts, Bertie Bassett. <laughs> Wanker. <laughs> Good. I, I thought, I've, got, I've got some written for next week. I thought I had more. Anyway, let's, uh, let's crack. I was very excited about how I'd written a routine. And, oh, no, I haven't. must have just got bored. <laughs> Anyway, my guests this week uh, are probably best known uh, for their two separate appearances on Rich Tang's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. <laughs> Will you please welcome John Robbins and Ellis James? <laughs> there they are. Oh. Do you... Uh, do you have a way that you always... That's a way round you always sit? Yeah, uh, actually, yes. Yes, is this the way round you always sit? He's always on my left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it this time. <laughs> You've got much better chairs than last yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah I thought the old, you both uh, sat in the old chairs, and here's the new chairs. The old energy deal paying off. <laughs> And the beer, and the, I see you're enjoying I, a beer 52 beer right there. Yeah, well, it's I, like so. Um, ben, your producer Ben asked me if I wanted a drink, and I said, Do they have any sort of nice beers? And they said, We've got like eight different ones on stage, and that's just the best news. <laughs> you can have as many as you like. You have to leave some for next week for Danielle Ward. That's all. That's well, they the, only send you eight. <laughs> they send us eight a week. Do they? they? Well, they have to the two weeks we've done it, yeah. Christ, you are sorted for you, beer and electricity. And, and they, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, pepper. Has that got pepper in it? Cress. Yeah, oh. cress. <laughs> <laughs> I made a big deal about that last week. I love cruciferous vegetables. You love cr- that was a thing, wasn't it, on uh, it Fist was, of yeah. Fun? So I have actually ended up advertising cress <laughs> in real life. <laughs> Oh, man. That's, that's quite a nice one. Not to say some of them aren't. Uh, not to say you're taking oh, some Russian, of them are not to absolutely say, can I say this some of them are horrible. You're not taking Russian roulette with Chris. That's Why 7% and it's got, like, beer? hemp in it. <laughs> do you know about beer? You guys know a little bit about beer. Yeah, do you want, just do, a bit, do you want, mate. Do you want a beer? <laughs> uh, 
No, although I'm very interested in your Swiss army knife. Thank you, it's not mine. Oh, isn't it? No, I think it's Kinga's uh, Swiss army knife. Eight percent, are you out of your mind? Are you trying to commit a sex crime? (laughs) How how many percents is this one? Because I've got to drive later, I'm going to be in trouble. 3.8%, that's all right. Well, I want that one. (laughs) I've I've spat at it a bit, but you can have it. Oh, great. Thank you. Good, but this is working out very well, talking about beer. I'm also on tour, um, richchain.com slash gigs. Take that, you fuckers! You thought you could fast-forward through, didn't you, to the interview? <laughs> You're going to now have to put, what, 7 minutes 40 when they come on and then skip through 7.48 to 7.57. But people will do that. They will. Yeah. Then I block them and they are never allowed to comment again. So that is... Do it once, enjoy yourself. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm also on tour. This is my night off from touring. Yes, thanks for coming down. So you're welcome, mate. It's, how's it going, the tour? I think, did it win any awards? Your show, I can't remember. I asked you not to mention that. <laughs> um, the, the tour has won no awards. Okay. Perhaps for, um, uh, as of yesterday, the uh, worst functioning alternator on the A34, <laughs> because I, I broke down before my gig, wow. car-wise. Okay. Uh, and um, he'll still get a fucking show out of it I'll tell you this yeah. <laughs> so I had to I got towed to a garage in Oxford and uh, um, luckily I have some contacts amongst the undergraduates at, uh, at Brazenose College despite so. being 35 years of age <laughs> So they, they put me up in a guest room and I... Uh, I Hi, I, it's creepy Uncle John! <laughs> and I, I, I sat and uh, wrote a Philip Larkin poem in the visitor's book whilst drinking beer at one in the morning and it was pure happiness. Yeah. And yet John is not a character act. <laughs> I'd, I'd never be Robin. cheap enough to use that as an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> you've, had, you've had quite a time. You were in New York and you got snowed into New York. Is that right? Were you, on, were you gigging then? Yeah, uh, no, we weren't gigging. We went on holiday with um, some co- uh, fellow comedian friends. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's a weird way to behave, isn't it? What, no, going on holiday you, with you friends? I wasn't there, no. Yeah. I will not get on. No. Well, that's the thing, that's the difference. Our generation like each other. No, yeah. you can't go... <laughs> yeah. can't socialise together. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we, they, it wasn't really being snowed in. It, it snowed a great deal on the day we were meant to fly out, so we just basically had a longer holiday, which was as wonderful as it sounds. Oh, is it nice? Yeah. Who was there with you? Ed Gamble. Oh, yeah, I know him. James Acaster. He's good. I like him. Yeah. Why didn't you say that about Ed? <laughs> <laughs> it's because he knows Ed's here yeah. tonight. Um, and uh, Lloyd Langford. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? What? He's my second favourite Welsh comedian. Have you had Lloyd on Rehustler? Uh, yeah, no, I do love Lloyd. Lloyd would be phenomenal value. Yeah. Um, no, not that he's cheap. Um, <laughs> but he's just such a funny guy. Yeah, I, I can And comment, a lovely yeah. man. A wonderful, charming, soft man. Here we go. <laughs> Here come the tears. I can. When you were very closely with someone, you can sense it. <laughs> So how did you feel about him winning this? I mean, sort of winning it. He had to share it. 
Yeah. Uh, so, uh, sort put, of takes put you the, down on my list of people who've made that joke. Takes, uh, <laughs> takes the shine off it a little bit. Because you were the successful one, really, weren't you? And then he's come on and... Were? Yeah. Now he's won, <laughs> he's won, an, he's won an award now. What have you got? Yeah, he's, he's making up for lost time. But I'm <laughs> very, very proud of him. Not, yeah. not, not genuinely not bothered. Mm. Are you proud? I mean, of I was p- p- pleased for him. I, was, <laughs> it's, I didn't find out. I go... <laughs> I've actually Whatever. got a screen grab of your reaction on my phone. Have you? Yeah. What was my reaction? Yeah. <laughs> that was exactly that noise yeah. that you make with loads of loads of e's. Yep. I was on loads of e. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So you guys like each other then? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't, I can't pretend we don't. <laughs> do you what? think in the future you might not like each other? And I, what do you think? What's the thing that will drive you apart, do you think? Between... I, ca- I cannot imagine anything. And we've sort of... Ha- we've, we've discussed everything that could possibly tear us apart. Yeah. But it never... It just never rings true. Mm. Because I think because... Um, and I am now just explaining our story. I'm not making comment on anything else. <laughs> because we began as stand-ups in our own right, yeah. we always have that yeah. to go. So we're sort of... We, we, we turned into a double act late in life. So yes. we will go away and do other things, and it's yep. not like if Ellis, when Ellis is on a program with another English comedian <laughs> touring around uh, Wales <laughs> in in a vehicle that you might think was absolutely perfect for us. <laughs> that causes no bitterness. Okay. <laughs> Because I am more than happy to watch the first ten seconds of it on iPlayer and think, yeah, fair enough. The other thing uh, I realised quite recently, John sent me a video of the two of us larking around in his flat in Bristol in about 2009. And at the time, our lives were very, very similar. No, you'd moved to London and I was... No, I hadn't. No, not in 2009 I hadn't. Hadn't you? No, no, no. I think I was... that what that okay? Carry I'm on. staying. This could be it. This is the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I've managed. But I, I, I would have been living in Cardiff. I can tell by the coat I was wearing. <laughs> um, was it made of seaweed? <laughs> As everything. And was I would have been doing the comedy box in Bristol. Whenever I did that gig, which I did a lot, I would stay at your house. And um, so, so, but I, I, we were just circuit stand-ups at the time. So we would, our lives were very similar, but now our lives are quite different. They are. And. Yet we're still, you know, as friendly. The, f- the thing that really made me laugh uh, about that video is you, when we watched it, you only really laughed at the funny stuff you said. <laughs> <laughs> Nine years on. But oh, you yeah, he's very a funny much... guy. He's a funny guy. But in that... This John guy's a funny guy. But in that video, you were the victim. Yeah. And I was the perpetrator. Yeah. So I, it was, I made Ellis have a very hot sauce in 100% my 100% pain. It's called 100% pain. And, um, and I knew it would ruin his evening. And I... <laughs> and thor- morning. And, <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed watching that play out. Um, so I sort of t- took a sort of, I would say, borderline vindictive glee 
in your state. Yeah. Because uh, I knew how hot it was. But uh, since then, I've, um, I've increased my tolerance for spicy food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we, we talked about this on, on the Radio X show. I uh, undertook um, a year-long endeavour known as Project Spice. <laughs> uh, where, where I started off very small. Yeah. Um, I was putting mustard on ham. Um, <laughs> English mustard? Yeah, yeah, English that's, mustard. That's and I, I was eating ginger biscuits. Uh, and, I, and I moved up to Vindaloo. I, I got, I got from, from ginger biscuits to Vindaloo in the, in the space of about 12 months. That's how you... That's how you meant to get... That's how you become involved with poison, isn't it? You just like, eat a bit of the poison. Yeah, yeah, day. yeah. So and then the I same principle. became immune to it. Because... I, I suffered from a I suffered from something known as uh, um, Welshman's inclination, <laughs> where I, I, I would I would always go for the simple dish. Yeah. Uh, Cheese on toast. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Never. I wouldn't even rare bit it up. No. <laughs> Because that involves mustard. It was classic yeah. cheese on toast. Yeah, okay. the, the, the Dutch model. Um, <laughs> uh, but but, but John, John will have spicy food on, on, on anything so, uh, and everything. So, um, spicy well, food on spicy anything? Food. No, no, I mean... <laughs> what, 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 what am I prone to put spicy food on? <laughs> you put it on top of the spicy yeah, food. <laughs> um, no, he he will put spi- uh, he will put Tabasco and, yeah. and uh, hotter things. Well, enjoy it while you're young, lads. That's all I'm saying. I, I used to be the same. It gets harder as you get older to uh, to weather that storm. <laughs> I, to be honest, I think I don't mind the storm. I live alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's true because just... he often texts me from the eye of the storm. <laughs> <laughs> it's. For... <laughs> For me, it's the equivalent of an office worker's fag break. <laughs> just gives you something to do. Oh, just a sort of release from your own thoughts for the I five just... torrid minutes in the toilet. Yeah. As you get older, and I find it's... I, I might have hard to sleep anyway, as you, you know, we have young children, but uh, as I get older, like, any, anything now will make me wake up. So if I eat spicy food in the day, I'll wake up in the night because of the spicy food. So that's what I'm talking about. That's just the annoyance. So if I drink a glass of whiskey, I'll wake up in the middle of the night going, oh. still, I still drink the whiskey, though, just in the hope that it won't happen next time. Uh, I'll ask you my new emergency question. How do you decide when it's time to retire a pair of pants? Ah. Yeah. Uh, I stopped Izzy from tweeting a picture of my pants. <laughs> uh, this afternoon, in fact. Ooh. Because I've had a, the same pair of uh, uh, Slazenger boxer shorts probably since before Tony Blair was Prime Minister. <laughs> and uh, they're all torn um, along the gusset. Right, yeah, that's... Uh, the, 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 the gusset is essentially unsustainable. It's, it's, um, and she said, you should really throw these out. Uh, um, can I put a picture of them on Twitter? I said, no, because I want you to maintain a semblance of dignity in this relationship. So I will not retire pants. No. We, we've discussed my pant retiring on the show, haven't we? Yeah. You remember my humble brag? <laughs> so I, I have a... Um... Huge cock. <laughs> Uh, 
and he's not afraid to use it against me. That's just... <laughs> I have a re- a re- a, re- a, a problem that manifests itself in every pair of pants I've ever owned, okay. whereby. I will use my left hand to pop myself back in through my left pocket. So the, the boxers tear a hole, they wear through, where eventually one day it'll just rip. Around the kneecap. <laughs> I'm not in Blink 182. And um, so uh, about half of my boxers have got a tear on the left yeah. Uh, left trunk leg. Yeah. Uh, but I don't retire them. No. I, 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 I am actually planning to buy some boxes yeah. soon. Um, be the first time in a couple of years. Well, yeah. I've, got, I've got a lot of pairs of Calvin Klein black boxer shorts, and I know I haven't bought those for eight or nine years. I've, I've moved over to a new pant. Uh, diesel, usually, I think. Yeah. Like, I, 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 some... I now went to sort of more of a brief than a boxer short. Um, I, I've I, never worn briefs. Yeah, I, I bought. Some, they don't uh, fit me, but I, but that's not the reason. I'm, I'm trying to wear the Calvin Klein ones down. I think once they've gone, I'll, I'll let, let, allow a little hole to be in them. I have a but tactic once, with socks, yeah. whereby when they wear away at the heel or the toe, because I'm so thrifty with myself, mm-hmm. I will force myself to get into a mood whereby, without thinking about whether I should retire them, I tear them. Yes. And then, like, you can't do anything now. You've done it. It's too late. Yeah. They're gone. And he's throwing them in. I do that. I do that. I bought a pair of uh, Ben Sherman boxer shorts, size small, that were too tight. And I was absolutely thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) They're unwearable. And I'm so pleased. It's interesting. It's interesting that because you know I could just throw them. Away. They've, they've served their purpose. All these my shorts, my they? mother uses my dad's old pants as uh, dusters. Yeah, well, I think that's what our parents' generation did. Yeah, Classic. so so glad you said dusters. <laughs> could have been could have been anything yeah. worse, couldn't it? No, I remember. I remember my dad's kind of always stringy pants they used yeah. to have that would be used to dust the kitchen. How yeah. much they've been cleaned. Yeah, that's not something. Just the worktops. There's <laughs> still some residue of Keith Herring's feces on there somewhere. <laughs> Hi, Dad. There would be now. He's eighty now. God, eighty-one. His trousers must be full of feces. <laughs> um, so you've got uh, you've got this uh, radio show. It's doing quite well. How did you? So when was the point that you? decided to do to work together did it just happen sort of organically or did you make a, a conscious decision to say we're going to was well, it the radio uh, show when so that video Ellis was talking about earlier in Bristol Ellis then moved to big London and signed with a hotshot agent oh, yeah. and that that was the beginning of my spiral down because <laughs> like Ellis was doing all this stuff and meeting all these people and John was so pleased for me <laughs> To an extent, and um, and about two years. When did you move to London? Uh, September 2010. Okay, fuck. Four years later, <laughs> I dis- no, actually not four no, years. No no, 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 no. Two years later, I I moved to London from Bristol, and um, sort of began about two years behind Ellis, doing a lot of the stuff he'd been doing to get gigs and get seen by people, and and then I in a at, you know, a last ditch, desperate. I'd emailed every agent, and they'd all um, 
not replied. Yeah. I didn't even get rejections, which is quite good. I'd rather, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather they didn't reply. Yeah. Because um, despite his undoubted talent, uh, John is difficult to work with. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> And his reputation precedes him. At the, at the time. At the time. At the, at the time. time. Not anymore. At the time. I yeah, have yeah. made changes. Yeah, you went what, on a charm what? offensive. How did, uh, how, did your, how did that manifest itself? You were, in, you were difficult to work. Well, in what way was he difficult to work with? Uh, well, I've heard, I've heard you can't say wait you had to, to hear you had this. To defend, you'd have to go, no, John's but, okay if you know him. Um, there's a very big. At Edinburgh in about 2012, there's a very big PR person who does PR for a lot of comedians mm-hmm. uh, who you would know of, and she was doing my PR, and um, she had rejected John, and John had had a bad gig earlier in the day and had got very, very Well, drunk. maybe... <laughs> what no, but, no, but, no, but explain how the rejection manifests itself. She walked out of my show after five minutes, and I saw it happen, and my heart burst into a thousand pieces. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, this is the kind of emotional heft John uses his, <laughs> in, in, in his Edinburgh shows. I, it didn't. It, yeah, I'm overstating. But, I, but anyway, uh, so, so she said that she wouldn't do John's PR, and John had had a bad gig. She said, day. and I quote, "Not my cup of yeah, tea." That, that, I'm, I'm, com- I'm coming to that as she was walking out. Uh, <laughs> but, but so John, she texted Daryl. My agent was Daryl. That's where I was. <laughs> My agent was known by his first name. <laughs> Never a good sign. But, but um, she came, this person came to my Edinburgh show, and John was drunk, and he, he, he'd come to my show because he wanted to go for a drink with me and have a chat. And then he spotted this person, and he just followed around the Pleasant's courtyard going, not my cup of tea, not my cup of tea. <laughs> not my cup of tea, not my cup of tea, not my cup of tea, not my cup of tea. I'm not my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. For fucking ages. Which, considering how important she is, is a baller move. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he was full of these baller moves. <laughs> That's a very good way of describing yeah. it. He was all baller move yeah. as an open spot. Um, <laughs> And then because, uh, because John was friends with people like Russell Howard and John Richardson, you'd have this baller move open spot doing baller moves in front of people. And then people were scared of you. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Not my cup of tea, not my cup of tea. Um, come, come on, come on. Come so here, I then, come here. I then moved to London. I, I humbled myself. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, and just basically started from scratch and realised that all of the things I was angry about were all my fault and not anybody else's fault and and I I think a lot of comedians go through that phase where you're sort of blaming absolutely everyone else and then you eventually there's one person left (laughs) who might be in control and you think oh it's probably me Uh, and um, I'm proud to say that between 2013 and 2015 that very lady represented me for for PR yes she she came round she had a cup of John's (laughs) (laughs) but everyone remembered this incident so much they're going but didn't you say it wasn't your cup of tea but then um, then John signed with my agent and 
when our agent asked us what we'd like to do, we said we'd love to do a radio show together. Then right. Radio X... Uh, I remember the conversation I had with you. I was in a BP garage on my way to uh, Southampton, and I pulled over and spoke to you for an hour, and it yeah. was great, because I was running an hour early as per. <laughs> and um, I, I said, we should get... Um, we should we should try and we should tap up six music. Yeah, <laughs> well, that didn't work out. But, so, uh, but XFM as it was then had 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 comedians in their Sunday ten to one slots. So they'd had uh, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, Jimmy Carr, Russell Brand had done it, Josh Widdicombe had done it, and Adam and Joe obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted they wanted to start that back up again. So they gave auditions to five or six different double acts. Right. And, um, and crucially, we didn't know it, they, other people were getting auditioned, did we? Yeah. We, we thought we were just making a pilot for them, but I think if we'd known other, other people were doing it too, we'd have got too nervous and probably messed it up. Yeah, so they asked a few other people, and then they gave us a show, and it, so that was in... Uh, late, 2012? Yeah, and then 2014? No, 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 2014. 2014 was when the show started. Right. And it's become like it's phenomenally successful, and it's kind of interesting because with this show, when I when I put the guest names up, you know, sometimes it'll take a while for them to sell, and sometimes someone will surprising will sell very quickly. Uh, like Limmy was the quickest selling person ever, and I wasn't sure whether Limmy in London would sell, but it was like bang the minute we put it up, it was the last show. The Scottish ever diaspora, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but similarly, you you, I mean, this is testament. All these people are here to see you. Well, they don't know who I am, so. Uh, <laughs> Hey, when I said Hellestwell, there was nothing. <laughs> I think one person. Don't even know what's going on. So you've got this kind of incredible fan base and, you know, that you've, you've built up by doing this show just for three or four years then. Do you think, or do you think it's... Yeah. You know, um, have you done it on the road? You've done, you know, yes, done some we, live we, gigs? We toured it um, between October and December 2016, and it did take us by surprise, I think, because... We did the Shepherd's Bush Empire, in, yeah. and I thought that was a silly booking initially. But then, you know, that that sold out, and then we did a few other ones um, in London as well. And uh, it, it's the the exciting thing is what I, I always say. But whenever I meet people who listen to the show, whenever they come up to me after after a gig or something, uh, they're always how I hoped fans of ours would be if we ever were to have fans. Well, they're like us. But yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so that, that will turn out you, you saved that. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think you have to be very, very careful to sort of nurture that, yeah, yeah. that relationship. And I think that the relationship I have had with podcasts and radio shows in the past is incredibly intimate. And I'm very conscious of that when we have interaction like people email in and people sort of come up to you after gigs and message you on various media because I remember what it was like to be a fan of Adam and Joe and to be and like listening to like if I met Mark Commode I would I think I would melt (laughs) I want him to be my best friend sorry (laughs) like so much it's almost too much yeah so I am very conscious of that because you have a relationship with your audience as you do yeah. when you have a podcast or a radio show where they choose when they listen. So 
it's not like a TV program where it's on in the background or it'd be on while you're making tea. It's specifically you're choosing a time where you can give it your full attention, whether that's either on a commute or while you're driving or you're at the gym or whatever. But we're very, very lucky in that people have us in their lives at the point where they're most relaxed or they're most need distracting or they most need to have a laugh. Yeah. And um, I think... So I've, I'm, Ellis hasn't actually toured in English since we started the show, have you? No. But I've noticed since... I've done two tours since we've had sort of re- relative success with the radio show and you, be- you become incredibly protective of your audience because you are aware of the way they've come to you and, and, and how much it means to them and how much it means to you as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I, it's... You know, well, I think it's what I was listening to. I thought I should listen to one of your shows today. Got <laughs> 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 it. I got, did about ten minutes. It was all right. Just some blokes talking, rubbish. Uh, so, um, but it was nice. You started off talking about like some uh, you were giving advice to a fourteen-year-old person who'd written in and said they were going to ban- uh, see gigs with their parents and you know and and but you were very you know avuncular. And friendly, yeah, you know, I, which is which is the right, you know, in a in a really caring and, and nice way. Some people would have taken the piss, or some people would have I, not bothered reading the email out. I guess, but it was I'm, a nice email. I'm not bothered by that. I was, I'm not frightened by that stuff because no. I've, I think, being 14 must have had a profound effect on me because I remember exactly how that felt, yeah. and I was absolutely obsessed with a few bands. Yeah, and I've met comedians in the past. Who, who, who were famous and didn't have... And had lots of fans. But they all... all, all um, a, lot, a few of them weren't particularly into music or comedy or football. And they'd never really um, obsessed over something. And they were quite baffled by it. Yeah. But when I was... There was a, a Welsh band called um, Gorky's Zygotic Monkey. And I genuinely thought they offered answers to a global problem. <laughs> <laughs> A global, a global problem only, only raised in Wales. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, I, uh, and I, I, I still listen to those records. Yeah. I was driving back from a gig last night, actually, and I was listening to the Gorkies, and it still makes me feel like I did when I was 15. And I, um, I've, I got to know Eros Childs, the lead singer, a bit. And I saw him before a Tell him about film. the... No. <laughs> but I... I saw him before. Tell a... him how how you tell him how close you got to him. No, no. It's, quite, it's quite a long anecdote. It's fine. We've got all the time in the world. I used to organise. He won't tell it on air. <laughs> uh... In case Aros hears. Yeah. Uh, can I? Um... <laughs> I. This is, this is going to be the Stephen Fry killing himself <laughs> moment. I own his GCSE art coursework. <laughs> How did you come to own it? Because... <laughs> because... <laughs> They, they, the Gorkies had to go to my school. They were, they were in the sixth form when I was in the first year. And uh, when they left, uh, a bigger boy in my year found it behind a cupboard in the art room 
and sold it to me at an exorbitant rate. <laughs> which meant that I didn't have school dinners for about three months, right? So I, obviously I now, own, I now own the artwork. And I used to organise minibus trips to the gig. The amazing thing is, the only value of that artwork you've invested in was if you were to sell it to yourself. <laughs> You're the only person who would pay more than you paid for it in like 1992. Oh, and and my mum worked with his mum, and and his uh, one of his girlfriends uh, happened happened coincidentally happened to be b- b- best friends with my first girlfriend because Wales is that small. I hadn't engineered that. Um, so so I was already they already kind of knew me, I think, because I was turning up at the gigs, and they, I think they might have remembered me at. Um, from school, but I would always stand right in the front front row centre, just sort of st- <laughs> st- staring like that, you know, w- w- willing these answers to come. Um, so yeah, th- I, I I would say I had a kind of relationship with the band in that a very one sided relationship. Yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, I, I used to go to a lot of the gigs and and all that kind of thing. And then I remember I turned up at one gig. And his girlfriend was there, and she went, hey, Elias. And he was like, oh, my God, he knows my fucking girlfriend. <laughs> and then I turned up another gig, and his mum was there, and obviously I recognised her, because she was friends with my mum. And she went, oh, hello, Elias. He was like, he na- he's now friends with my mother. How, 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 how does he do this? <laughs> so I had access to his mother, and I had access to his then-girlfriend. <laughs> As well as his Archie coursework. I was going to a lot of the gigs. And then, and then, and then I, this is coincidence because Cardiff's a very small city, I, got a, I, got a, I happened to get a job uh, in his local. Uh, so then, you know, he'd, he'd come in after band practice and I'd be there cleaning glasses, looking like a sociopath. Um, and, then, and then the band split up and I thought, right, I, I really need to, 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 ch- to chill out about this because I'm, I'm a, I'm a grown-up, I'm an adult. And then uh, I would have been in my mid-twenties. My, my then-girlfriend was asked to, to DJ at the Biennale Arts Festival in Venice. So, there, so I went out because it was free tickets. And it was, you know, I'd never been to Venice before. And then she was, and she was staying in this, in this flat. They were putting us up. But um, she was DJing at the, at the after-party. But to open the event, uh, Eros was doing a solo set and because, because they were both performers, we were essentially, well, we were put up in the same flat, which meant that I, I, I basically went on a romantic holiday with him. <laughs> sort of against his wishes. And, I, and I, was, I would have been about 26, right? So I was like, right, chill out. You're, you're, you're normal. You're so normal now. So, so, so on the first night, we went out, we had a meal, and we had wine, and we talked about music and politics. It was great. And the second night, the same thing. Then the third night was the night of the gig. But it was a, it was a free bar, so I took a very Welsh approach to the free bar. <laughs> Pissed at a canal like an absolute legend. Um, and then... Uh, and then... <laughs> and then um, I got really drunk, and he, he'd had a drink as well, and I said, oh, it reminds me, actually, of, the, of, a, of, a review, of a review you had in The Independent when Gorky 5 was released in 1998, and I actually gave you, you three stars, which I thought was a bit unfair, because I said you were the best undiscovered British pop band in the last 20 years. It was, uh, that was in The Guardian. I went, no, no, it's, it's in The Independent. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he went, no, no, it was The Guardian. I went, it was a f- fucking Independent, mate, actually. And he went, no, I remember that review. And I went, well, I've got it in a fucking scrapbook! And then, it, and then it, and it like all came out. 
1994, you performed Anna Apera on Video Now, which was a programme that lasted three se- and, and on And I don't think, and then, and I don't think he remembers much of it. Um, you can see why um, the distance of Freddie Mercury is quite a useful thing to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I think what Ellis is saying is... <laughs> Section me. <laughs> When a 14-year-old emails you to say, I feel awkward about going to gigs with my parents, why wouldn't you be nice? Yes. <laughs> because we've been that person. Yes. Yeah, sure. I mean, Ellis may be a different kind of person. <laughs> but it's, it, it's very important to remember... You, see, you, I see myself in those emails and those people, and yeah. I think Ellis does too. Yeah. And um, I think you you attract, fingers crossed, the sorts of um, people who are, are like like you. Yeah, yeah. And because you talk about those kinds of memories, you you, um, you end up appealing to people like you as well, and it becomes a self fulfilling sort of and that's prophecy. why it's, yeah, and that's why it's really cool that on the radio show and the podcast as a result, because we're ourselves, you, you can kind of... You, don't, you, you get reactions to what you do and who you are, whereas we're not pretending to be anything we're not. So if you had this... If we'd started off with, like, a persona or a set kind of character dynamic... That You're listening to us. XFM. It's Ellis James, John yeah. Robbins here. We've got plenty of absolute top... Bangers. <laughs> I mean, we do say that, but not in that voice. <laughs> but you would then have to sort of maintain this ludicrous facade, and the interaction you had with people that listened wouldn't connect with you. Whereas, because it's just us chatting, like we used to on the phone every week for an hour. Yeah. When yeah. when people latch onto that or like stuff we've said or or feel a connection to us, it's actually a connection to us. Yeah. So you're not. There's no sort of like, oh, I've got another email about that bloody thing you said that you didn't mean. Yeah. It, so it's fine. It's kind of yeah, yeah. It's easy. It's yeah. very easy. No, it's not, it's not, you know, I think it's more like it's me, it's me and Stuart were on the radio and, and then on the BBC Two. We, but in those days, it was near, we were the, about the first TV show to have an email address, but hardly anyone emailed you. But people would write to us and then people would write to us quite regularly as well. Some of them I now know as adults. <laughs> and one of them is my wife's best friend. <laughs> That's quite weird. Uh, and uh, <laughs> she's very lovely. But, you know, you, you, I, we went through exactly the same thing. And both, having been... Stu was a big fan of music and I was a big fan of comedy. And so we both had that exact... But it's, it's that responsibility. But then also, did you, does it ever spill over and, you know, you get some people who maybe take it too far, that... The relationship, or do you always manage to no, keep it within? Not, the... not yet. I mean, sometimes because, sort of accidentally, we talk, we talk about like, um, well, I guess that I, if I've had a, what's great about being with Ellis, and right from the start, was the case that if I've had a, or Ellis has had a bad week or a <clears throat> bad time, we talk about that in a funny way. Yeah. And what's great is having Ellis to sort of burst my either pompous balloon or my sad balloon yeah. with his Welsh pen. Um, <laughs> when you, you did a long interview in the Daily Telegraph quite recently to promote your tour, and it's the, the quote the, at the end was something like, uh, um, Robbins' intellectualism is undercut... <laughs> 
<laughs> by James's Welshness. <laughs> idea that they are mutually exclusive <laughs> also that Welshness is a personality trait yeah, yeah. But, but um so so then because it's with Ellis I'm I was always from the start comfortable if Ellis say how are you John I'd be like I've had an absolute I'm a mess but yeah, it, yes but, if I I'd done quite a bit of radio before and John hadn't and I, the rule is you don't say that um, but, but no one had told John so so, so early on you know, like, like I would say it's you know it's, uh, it's Sunday morning you're listening to Alice James and John Robbins on Radio X how are you John? awful and yes <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then uh, uh, whereas you know I had been trained because I'd done a lot of, I'd done a lot of radio in, in, especially in Wales and I'd been trained not to do that yeah. and then it, it, did, it connects with people, but you, you kind of... Well, it's quite obvious why, but um, you, you are breaking a showbiz rule. Yeah. But so when... when you we literally would say, awful, <laughs> awful, awful, awful. And producer Dave would say, you know, that we'd play a track, and you go, come on, John. <laughs> <laughs> you want people to keep listening. <laughs> But so when, when, because it, because as Ellis has very eloquently described, that's an unusual thing to hear on commercial digital indie radio. When, when people then do contact the show, they, they tell stories about their own lives and, and their own struggles and, and you, it's not like it's too much because a lot of the time you don't read it out and they say, please don't read out this email, I just want to. We reply to a lot. Yeah, we, well, you reply to a lot. Because... But I reply because... Because I only check them on a Saturday when yeah. I come in, whereas well, you check them in the week. As opposed to Les, it's obviously easier to reply to emails. Yeah, but much also easier. That's but one then, of the great things about email. <laughs> but then... But then... It's, it's, <laughs> you, I mean, you won't know why they made that noise. I think I, I think <laughs> because, Richard, an email... <laughs> is a letter you can send in a second. Yeah. It's the one second post. Yeah. But um, the problem inconceivable is... Inconceivable in 2005. The, the problem is... In 2005, Richard, if you told me I could send a letter in a second, a I would have spat on the floor. The problem is that the response can take a second as well. So it's like you can, you can, if you get into like the kind of correspondence we used to get to in the 99s, at least that was spread over several weeks. Yeah. You could be <laughs> replying and then reply and then reply and then reply. Oh, actually, no. Well, we'd never, ever, I don't think, ever had a... No, it's never gone into an email discussion. We've, we've had some uh, pretty, pretty moving emails, actually, sure. and um, have replied to them. But we've... That, the, the person has never then thought, oh, great, um, this is now a, a, an open dialogue. I've, we've had, I've had a couple of t- tweeted responses saying, oh, thank you for replying to my email. But um, I, I, re- I, re- I respond to those emails. As John said, because he checks them on the Saturdays. He chooses which ones we read out, and I check them in the week. And in the same way that if someone came up to me in a pub and poured their heart out, I would listen to them. It's, it's just a, a human response. It's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not particularly... 
Also, we've both met our heroes. I've met Brian May four times. Yeah. And I, I think perhaps more than anyone else I know have brought a great deal to those meetings. <laughs> and never have I thought, and God, please do not think I am putting myself at the same level of, as Brian May right now. <laughs> that could not be further from the truth. However, I've known, going into those interactions with May, after careful planning, after running through various scenarios in my head, acting them out at home, prepping, making notes, etc. <laughs> like, there are certain things I want to say to him and I want to communicate him. Those have to be edited drastically. And I'm not expecting... Cover I mean, me with your hair. <laughs> no. Oh. One of the greatest crimes committed in the 20th and 21st century was reducing Brian May to his hair, Ellis. And, and, and you've fallen foul of that on a number of occasions. But I, I have access to May in a way that I wouldn't have dreamed of as a child. Well, we, the, we have the same agent. Sort of. Well, in, yeah, I mean, we have a way of going through the back door. Um, I, I've yet... Well, I've made use of that three on three occasions once we met him in a professional sense as, as equals. But, um, <laughs> but I, I would never... Uh, well, I think what I'm trying to say is, A, I love Brian May. Um, B... All, all I've ever said to him, apart from when we interviewed him, where I got some, got some deep cuts out, is, <laughs> hey, you, I love what you do. Nice to meet you. Because I can't say any more than that. I can't say, what do you, can you want to come back to my house? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, so I... A lot of the, I can make you love me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... But, but, but I don't think people do want any more than to be able to express something or this story reminded me of this thing. If you like this band, you might like this band. Um, that, that story you told, I really liked. People don't then actually want you to begin some kind of mad correspondence, I think is what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry, all I can see now is Brian May. <laughs> It sounds like you two are madder than anyone who would write to you, so they're, they're well, probably that's going, it. oh, fuck, better back yeah. off. <laughs> These guys are getting a bit yeah. needy. That's, 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 yeah. I was in Venice, this guy Jesus Christ, up. they're real. <laughs> I think, Richard, by having only listened to ten minutes of one of our podcasts, you've cut to the core of what it is. <laughs> um, you're on the same station as Johnny Vaughan. You've stood in for Johnny Vaughan on a few occasions. Um, is he critical of your breakfast choices? I don't... Is that... What's that in reference to? <laughs> he, did, he did an advert for his radio. Oh, no, he did an advert for uh, a, a breakfast biscuit where Lisa... I think it was Lisa Snowden, I think, was the woman did in he? it. Did he? When was she? She was, eating, uh, she was eating a breakfast biscuit and Johnny Ford went, Biscuits for breakfast? What's next? Marmalade for lunch? Which, you know, is a perfectly adequate choice for... I mean, a marmalade for lunch isn't that weird, is it? No. I mean, on its own, but, you know. Yeah. Even a light spoonful of marmalade for lunch, that'd be okay. But it seems, it seems overly critical of breakfast biscuits. <laughs> he, uh, I love Johnny Ford. Yeah, okay. Because 
He was on the telly when I was growing up, but I really liked a lot of the stuff he did. Um, and now I, I know him. And he is exactly how you imagine he will be. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about... Um, we were at the Radio X Christmas party, and he was talking at me about how... <laughs> how I think um, Adidas and Puma were two brothers and the company split. Yes. And Rudolph I th- and uh, yeah, yeah. Gassler. Uh, yeah, and I think that that's true of two of the big German car companies, Audi okay. and Mercedes, I think. I can't remember. And I think it's also true of Aldi and Lidl. Mm. And he reeled off a load of these... He reeled <laughs> off a load of these examples. Yeah. And then went, because Germany's the fatherland, it's a fatherland. You're always, you're always trying to impress your father. That's the thing, you're obsessed with impressing your father with Britain and England. It's pathetic, we're a motherland. Oh, we love our mums, we love our mums, it's pathetic. And then he talked at me, he had this long theory about it. I went... Really? And he went, I don't know, it could be bollocks, but it's entertaining, isn't it? <laughs> I only really think about Johnny Vaughan in the shower. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, a lot of people now, when they're having showers, only think of you thinking of Johnny Vaughan in the shower. <laughs> we did discuss this on the last one. Oh, dear. Good. Um, I now think of John thinking of Johnny Vaughan when I'm in the shower. You think of me in the shower. Yes, yes. Whenever I think of any of the things I think about, I then think about you. Johnny <laughs> in the shower. So whenever I look over my shoulder when I'm driving to check no, when I'm, no, I'm going to pull out, I think of my ex-girlfriend who always used to do that, and then I think of you in the shower thinking of Johnny Vaughan every single time I do that now. <sighs> Celebrity mastermind? Want to... I know what it is to lose Celebrity Mastermind, admittedly from a position of 34 points. <laughs> what, what, what's the, the highest question? ever score on Celebrity Mastermind was uh, by someone doing questions about Queen. Yeah, but they got asked more questions. No, but that was, the format was different. Leave it, John. <laughs> Leave it. Okay, calm down. Can everyone please calm down? <laughs> he... So they changed the format, and I asked the producer, and it's correct. He got two minutes on Queen. I got one minute on Queen. John Humphreys in his ivory tower. <laughs> so it, you cannot compare the two. Yeah. They actually asked me one of the same questions they asked him. Oh, really? Yeah. Fun fact. Weak. Weak. Uh, Tim Farron. Was it Tim Farron who beat you? Yep. The, the ex-liberal, uh, gay-hating... <laughs> Yeah, he... he, he Do it for the gays, John, for God's sake. Well, it was, it was a double victory for Farron, because um, <laughs> my topic was Queen. <laughs> I actually do... I actually start my tour show with a, a sort of a routine about um, Celebrity Mastermind now, in which I, I... I leave no stone unturned when it comes to Farron's sexual politics. <laughs> but it was... Um, I was absolutely devastated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, I've, I've, it was, I'm not I was perfectly happy to be devastated on a radio show. <laughs> uh, the two questions, one question I passed, one question I got wrong, the, the question about who directed Bohemian Rhapsody, I probably would have got if I'd thought for a minute, but they say to you, just pass if you don't know, because you haven't got time. Mate, you only have a minute. Yeah, if I only had a minute. For a minute, that I would know. have just been it. Reese Thomas, whoever it was, had two <laughs> minutes. Um, the question about 
the question about Thin Lizzy will I will that will be the last thought I have on Earth. So how fine, great. <laughs> but it actually will. Yeah, that's not. I'm not joking. That will be what I think about when my family are holding my hands playing Astral Weeks. But you know, I will think. Yeah, Thin John, Lizzy. That's still only Darling, two. That's still I'm only... ready. Thin Lizzy. Oh, <laughs> John, that's still only two points. He beat you by four points. Mate. He got asked more general knowledge questions than me. Because he answered them quicker. No, because the questions were shorter. I mean, I could... T- <laughs> I could talk about this all night. I have a suspicion, I want, I want Richard, to, yeah. if you really want to go into detail, yeah. I have a suspicion that to secure Farron, who without doubt was the headline celebrity, <laughs> uh, they, he was given assurances about the standard and length of questions. <laughs> I mean, one of his questions was... Which striker completed the lineup for Blackburn Rovers known as SAS? And you're like, well, fuck, I know that. He d- Some of my questions about Queen were very okay. interesting, but quite deep. <laughs> H- Ellis, Ellis, how many of Tim Farron's questions did you get right I, as just a general football fan? I got four out of ten. So then, why, why, I should have picked Queen in 1991. He picked Blackburn Rovers in the 90s. Well, just have the courage of your convictions. You lost by four points. I lost by one point. They let Hilary Kay go on for an... What was their specialist subject? She did pottery. She went to pottery. She's an an antiques roadshow host. Fair enough. told me I couldn't do... She didn't do pottery in the 90s, did she? She did Wedgwood, which is her expertise. So it's just like she didn't do Wedgwood, Wedgwood in the 1790s. <laughs> you Come did on, Farron, strap your, on a pair and then hate some, them. You did something about your favorite. <laughs> you did something about your favorite band. You haven't have to do anything. No work. I had to read two books, learn stuff in a language I didn't. Two know. books. Yeah. Big. Do books. you know how many Queen books I've read? <laughs> <laughs> I got 34 points and I still lost. Yeah, but you, I, I cannot. Why? I don't want to talk about it. I. So it means too much. I'm too sad about it, Richard. They forgot to press the buzzer for Hillary Kay, so she actually got to about 40, and I was counting. Oh, and right. Then, and then That's they, insane. And then they stopped, and then there was this two minutes where they obviously rewound the tape to work out where she got. They made a mistake on the thing, and I'm, that's... That's a bad mistake on Mastermind, right? To let... Uh, too many what, questions. What was your specialist subject? Mine was Rasputin. That's hard, man. That was hard. Oh... Oh, didn't well, you that's to a good you topic, know? though. You didn't do Rasputin at age 35, <laughs> did you? <laughs> it was good, like... I'm glad you're as upset as I am. Have you ever had a dream about... Have you ever dream about Celebrity Mastermind? So I've, I've had a dream where it was, it was taking place on a, in a very muddy field, and every time I walked to the, the chair, it was like having to wade through waist-high mud. I don't, <laughs> know, what, don't know what that means. In all, in all honesty, though I was personally gutted because you're doing it for charity and because um, the charity I was doing it for, I was really stoked to be able to raise them some money. You kind of... I was doing it for... To plug them, please, if that's okay. Yes. Standing Together Against Domestic Violence. Um, That do wonderful work uh, uh, in London with various different um, uh, projects um, supporting uh, victims of domestic violence abuse. There's a limit to how angry you can be <laughs> that you've been beaten because at the end of the day their name is being said on TV and they're earning a little bit of money but hopefully it's raising awareness for them so you kind of think it, 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 it doesn't yeah, I mean, if you'd matter. attacked Tim Farron that would probably have had a negative effect on that is the first rational thought that's not about an ISA you've ever had 
We all featured in an independent article about uh, couples in comedy. Oh. <laughs> along with, <laughs> along with uh, me and my wife, you and Izzy, uh, Justin and Luce Porter, and you and uh, Sarah Pascoe. I, I enjoy seeing those photos coming <laughs> round uh, on Google every so often. Yeah. You look so nice in your photo. <laughs> Izzy and I look like a right pair of twats. Oh, there's a, fo- <laughs> there's a photo of them. There's a photo of them. I don't know how this arose in the shoot where they're touching each other's nostrils. <laughs> and they look like two children's TV presenters who are trying to make a comeback after a Coke scandal. Yeah. That is literally exactly what we look like. Yeah, yeah. And we they they taken, I don't know, a hundred normal photos. Yeah. That, that photo shoot was in your house. It was in my house. Yeah. So me and Sarah had to go to Ellis's front room yeah. and help clear away all of the toys. Yeah. Ellis's, not the babies. <laughs> and and then to leave a totally white wall. Yeah. And then we had the sort of ludicrous. But quite fun shoot they, where we all sort of jumped around and they, did they that sort of thing. Took a hundred normal photos yeah. of Izzy and I, and then <laughs> the two children's entertainers <laughs> making a comeback after a coke scandal photo. Mister and Mrs. Theakston. <laughs> <laughs> Was the one the uh, independent decided to use, <laughs> and it crops up everywhere it, it really does it really does but bizarrely featured in an awful lot of my uh, Edinburgh reviews <laughs> really? yeah. well you've let us down by not having all the rest of us have had successful relationships and had children <laughs> and it's a, I see it as a black mark on the reliability of comedians to have successful relationships my, my awards are my children <laughs> You, you met your wife in Barnstable. Yeah, how do you know that? I know everything about you. <laughs> Just think that's, you know... That's I've got, can I... T- do you want to... Have you got an anecdote about that? Uh, well, I've got an anecdote about everything. Um, but <laughs> no, you an anecdote about the you... day you met your wife? Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah, pretty unremarkable. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a blank spot. Don't remember. She no. said we met in Barnstable. I don't remember it. <laughs> I, I've got a funny anecdote about cool. Ellis and Illy's early... Uh, El, what did I just say? Illy. Illy. That's fine. Ellis and Izzy's early days. Yeah. Go on. Um, does it... No, 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 it's not that one. Okay. <laughs> does it paint me in a broadly positive light? Uh, not in a... Not in a... No, it's a funny, it's a funny anecdote. It's a neutral. I can cope yeah, with yeah, neutral. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. It's, no, you tell yours no, first. No, no, go on. It's, it's, it's not like... I'm, now we're very intrigued. So, so, me and Ellis often discuss how... When you start a relationship with someone, the first couple of months are almost unbearable because you are so attached to them and so you start having mad fantasies about what if they died. You sort of feel incredibly protective. You can't be away from them. You sort of worry if they haven't texted back, that sort of thing. And we often say, don't we, that, and this sounds bleaker than it is, but there is, in a weird way, say your partner were to die. Classic Robbins. (laughs) In a way, it would be worse for that to happen in the first two months than it would after, say, 20 years, because, because 
when they leave your, your children without a mother, yes, that, you're right, that would be a... There but, are factors, uh, obviously. Uh, okay. Because, because you, this, the hope and the expectation and the future dies as well, and you're in that place where you're like breathless and your heart's racing and it's just too much, it's too much, you can't deal with it. So um, when Ellis and Izzy started going out, you very quickly had to go to Australia for like four months? Yeah, I was doing gigs there. Yeah. In in the the heart of that time, After three weeks oh, no. when yeah. when it was just everything is like pumping yeah. and running and oh god I want to be with this person and you had to go away for four months. I would be walking around Melbourne or Adelaide and I would see a phone box and I think Izzy probably had phone boxes where she grew up. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas now you're comfortable to walk past a phone box without yeah. thinking about her. Absolutely, yeah, that, yeah. That, that is the nub of the issue. Yeah, like, yeah. You don't have that association. I, I, I would say I was insane in Australia. Yes. Yeah. So I would, when Ellis was in Australia, I would speak to him probably once a week. And you were there for how long? Four months. Yeah. Four months. So we would have sort of a classic weekly hour-long chat. And, um, and uh, the same was going on with Izzy, but way more so. You were speaking to her every day, twice oh, a day, yeah, three yeah, times yeah. a day. So we were having one of these conversations about two months after he'd been in Australia. And he end, we sort of wrapped up. And he said, um, can I just say, John, it's uh, very kind of you to, to spend all this money speaking to me on the phone. <laughs> That's sort of more Lloyd Langford than you, but I can't, <laughs> I can't actually do you. Okay. Um, and I said, I said, no, that, that's, not how, that's not how phones work. You, you, the, the, the connection is in Australia and you've got an English phone. And I'm, I'm making the, the connection in England, so it's my minutes. He went, oh, oh, no, 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 no. And I said, yeah, th- this, it, I mean, I haven't mentioned it before, but this is, you're paying for this phone call. <laughs> and there was a pause. <laughs> about five or six seconds which I will never forget <laughs> that was then followed by I've got to go <laughs> and I know how often he'd been speaking to Izzy and the incredible thing about this and this is the absolute polar difference between me and Ellis he had been offered on the day he arrived an Australian phone And he had said, no, I'll just use my own because it'll be too much hassle to use an Australian phone. And Ellis, how much was your phone bill? Uh, Well, I mean, I don't want to get into details. It was £1,400. Yeah! (laughs) I bloody loved her, John! (laughs) Love. I love her. And that is Ellis and me. Yeah. Chatting together every week, loving each other's company. One of us has a phenomenal hold on admin. The other one is just fucking vibing it. <laughs> well, I think we might have to uh, wrap up, but um, someone's excited about that. Oh, just... <laughs> excited about that um, but um, yeah we've had, I've only asked you one emergency question so that's quite good well done that's a kind of victory for you um, see if there's anything else someone... oh, this, I'll ask you this if you had to this is an emergency question especially written for you if you had to kill John or Josh Widdicombe but you had to kill one of them which one would you kill I'll take the bullet mate 
for the survival of the sitcom Josh. I will take that point. You look worryingly like you're going to answer this honestly. (laughs) I hope he will. Your young fans are listening and they want an honest answer. I would kill myself, Richard. (laughs) But that's not one of the options. Then both of them would die. So you would have all have died. That's that's obviously the part of that. It's... It's... Who... You said that was specifically for us. Did someone send that question? <laughs> I made it up. I it's thought. quite mean. It was well, because you know. But he doesn't want to kill anyone. No. Well, nobody have to. You are. He has to kill. What, one what of are you. the circumstances surrounding um, this? Whoever has set this up <laughs> has got your wife and family hostage, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they will be sold into slavery. They're not going to die. They'll be. They'll be fine. They'll be sold into slavery. Ellis. I think. I think John would cry more. Yeah, Ellis. Ellis. And so I, I think I would cry tricky. less. I would be cool with it. Play me Astral Weeks. Tell me not to worry about Thin Lizzy. <laughs> Say it's going to be painless. Hold my hand. Okay. Uh, take down my notes for my gravestone. <laughs> it's going to run to about your a thousand words. Your digital gravestone. <laughs> you're you're going to need. Scroll. You're going to need quite the mason to deal with the work. Uh, I want to be buried in. Um, the, the graveyard near where I live, where I walk around and imagine what I was li- it would be like if I was a bird in it. Uh, under a tree, near Ruth Ellis, the last woman to be hung in the UK, whose, whose grave is unmarked, but I know where it is. And then just hold the pillow over my face... Make sure Vin's recording it. Because <laughs> we need a final podcast to go out on. And then you and Josh can continue with series four. Then it would be John. <laughs> Promise me you'll write an Edinburgh show about this. <laughs> but only do it in Welsh. <laughs> good. Oh, would, good hang on. Here's yeah. a fun call. If you did an Edinburgh show in Welsh, would that be valid for the Perrier and well, how would they judge it yeah, fascinating de- question they, well they would need they would uh, a friend of mine was a judge a few years ago and she's a Welsh speaker so I suppose she would have had to have watched it and said and then convinced 10 other <laughs> yeah, people yeah. it was amazing it you is. should do that man you would definitely you would definitely get an audience every day a small audience obviously but you would I, I reckon there are I'd come and well, see it just for the you know the I think there'd be a lot of that yeah yeah my mum goes to Edinburgh every year, so that's yeah. one ticket, guaranteed. <laughs> and her friend Jill. Your mum's... Your mum came to see my Edinburgh show with her friend Jill. She was so nice about it. Oh, she's a big fan of yours, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, well, she's lovely. <laughs> and, and so is my mum. Yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't speak Welsh, so she's never no, seen you. She can't go and see your shows. No, no. In a way, it's a stupid thing to do, isn't it? Do shows in Welsh, but yeah, in it, a way. It, I would lose about as much money in Edinburgh <laughs> as you did, Richard. Yeah. As. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking funny, isn't yeah. he? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad your friendship has survived, even the murder of one of you by the other. <laughs> 
Faulkner. Well done for that. Ladies and gentlemen, John Robbins have been listening to Rich Chang's Best Scrapier podcast with me, Rich Chang, and my guests, Ellis James and John Robbins. They were quite nice young men, weren't they? Uh, the music is, as always, by Pess. Thank you to everyone at the British Comedy Guide, everyone at the Best Square Theatre, everyone at Sky Potato, everyone at No Fuss Stripe, and all the gang down at Fuss Productions. They're the main ones, they're that gang, they're a good lot of people. Uh, thank you to my producer, Ben Walker. This is a Fuzz Go Faster Stripe and uh, Sky Potato production. <laughs>